Hello, you guys. Welcome to episode 43 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and, more importantly, not-so-well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. Tis me, Troy McEady, and um, I just want to give you a heads up really quickly that I literally just woke up probably four minutes ago, so, like, still trying to find my breathing pattern, still trying to adjust to the elements, the sun is kind of hurting my eyes. I'm also in, like, a little bit of a, like, um... I'm in, like, an old man mood. Like, I feel staunch. Like, I I don't know. I just... I'm in the mood to, like, speak to somebody's customer service. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever, do you ever have those moods where you're just, like... I feel like reaping hell on a person who is defenseless. Like, I feel... <laughs> like, I feel like an an animal. Like, a, like a, a, a lion that just wants to, like, fucking hunt a gazelle, like, all day. Like, a helpless gazelle for no reason. I just want to be an asshole. Like, I just... I feel like speaking to somebody's customer service, that's the only way I can describe it. I am in a mood to speak to your customer service department about my experience. And I hope that you have time. Because I've got a lot to say. That's the kind of mood I'm in. I'm in the mood to send back a plate of food. (laughs) I'm in the mood to leave a movie theater and tell them to turn it down. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just in an old man, crotchety like arms crossed frowning mood like i'm a frowning emoji right now i don't know you know what it probably is this fucking episode i want to let you know right now children if you're listening this is not the episode for you like this this episode deserves a parental advisory like it's just it's dark this is without question the darkest episode I have ever done of this podcast. And I've done several episodes that end in death. So I hope that that kind of helps you wrap your mind around how dark this gets. Um, it shockingly has a little bit of a happy ending, but still, it's just so fucking dark. It, the research was beyond dark. It was sad. So if you're in like a, if you're also in, I'd like to speak to your customer service mood like if that's the if that's the headspace that you're in as well maybe this will be good for you maybe this will be good for you to like listen to on your way to work and just fucking repel all damn people don't take shit from anybody you know this may be the day that you like tell your boss like you know what you treat me like shit and i'm ready for a raise or that you have your jerry Maguire moment and you take a goldfish and like a potted plant and you say fuck everybody and leave your office I would love to be the person that shepherds you towards that journey. I really would. I'm not even kidding. So maybe this will be the episode for you. Today, you guys, we are speaking about Evan Rachel Wood and Marilyn Manson. And I've got to tell you, I, if, so I, you, as you know, I did an episode about Marilyn Manson with uh, Rose McGowan and that had its dark moments. It had very dark elements to it, but like, I don't know if Marilyn Manson was like, in the darkest depths of his despair at that point like it was early in his career so we've transitioned now like at this point he's been through a marriage and he's now dating evan rachel wood and i feel like evan rachel wood really like got the brunt of his like his hatred towards women for a certain period of time in his life and It's just really sad. You know, she was a really young girl when they dated. She was 18. He was 18 years older than her. And yeah, it's just, um, 
I also just have to start off by saying that I'm a really big Evan Rachel Wood fan. I, I really just, I think she's so fucking talented and smart and funny and beautiful. And I think we're lucky to have her, you know, and I feel like we finally, with Westworld, I feel like the whole world finally appreciates her for like how incredible she is as an actress. But by the way, she's always been fucking incredible. She's always been here and she's been killing it since she was a a 10 year old girl. She's been incredible her entire life. She's so talented and she's just great. And she's somebody who's been through a lot. Like she's just really been put through it by men and by this industry. And, um, I feel like I understand her a lot more after, uh, doing this research and, and, and finding out all this stuff about her. Um, yeah, it was just, I gotta be honest. It's just sad. This is a sad episode, but sometimes you need that, you know, like sometimes you need to listen to something that makes you feel like you want to cry or I, I don't know. At least I do. Like sometimes when I'm having my like male period, I will like just have a, a, a time of the month where I'm like, you know what? I feel like crying anybody else <laughs> um anyway uh so yeah we're gonna be talking about marilyn manson and ever rachel wood um they started dating in september of 2007 they got engaged in january of 2010 and they separated the same year they are a notorious on again off again couple so they broke up got back together broke up got back together like 20 times um they were definitely considered to be like an it couple at the time that they did that they dated but the thing is is like they weren't like really a hip or cool it couple. I think they mostly just confused people and it was something that people found interesting to talk about. I mean they uh, yeah, they they weren't like a a a an it couple that anybody aspired to be, I don't think. I think it was more so just like let's watch this train wreck cuz this is like fucking insane. Um Definitely also two people that have had, like, the most interesting dating history of anybody on this podcast, I think. Um, I mean, Marilyn Manson's goes without saying. And Evan Rachel Wood, I mean, a lot of fascinating stuff. She's, like, the first person on her Who Dated Who list is a woman. I mean, she's just started right out the gate as a teenager just killing it. Like, she's she's just got a really interesting... uh, She's got interesting taste in men and women. Let's just say that. And like I said, there was an 18-year age difference between these two, which put them at the top of every, like, strange couple countdown list. Like, every article I pulled up about them was, like, them being in some top ten list for, like, the most bizarre Hollywood couples of all time. Um, Marilyn was also married to Dita Von Teese when they met. And it's pretty well documented that he cheated on her uh, with Evan, which we will definitely talk about. Um, Neither of them have very fond memories of this relationship. Like, when you go back and reference it, it's usually met with some sort of, like, sarcastic statement or sarcastic dig or something where they're, like, alluding to the other person, but they don't say their name. They don't like each other. These two are not friends. Um... And we will get into that as well. The reasons are horrifying. Um, And, I mean, Evan has... I mean, look, Evan has admitted, and also Marilyn has admitted to him being extremely emotionally abusive during this time. Um, He's done several interviews where he's talked about, you know, how he's had, like, fantasies of killing her and, like 
that he would like self-inflict harm and like you know send her pictures and and call her and let her know that he was like cutting himself because of her mind you like i said she's an 18 year old girl like this is like a nearly 40 year old man and he's like calling this little girl it's it's like i said it's it's really 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 dark like i'm just letting you know now it's really sad like this is not like a happy episode it's just it's it's sad um Evan testified in front of Congress last year and admitted that a former partner was extremely physically abusive towards her and had also raped her on numerous occasions, which led, you know, a lot of people to believe that it was Marilyn because when we go through all of this stuff, you'll kind of figure out that it does match up with a lot of the stuff that he said about the relationship and stuff that she said. Um, she's never really said his name as far as the person who um, abused her or raped her or whatever, but I mean, it definitely leads you to believe that it was him. And also, this is the most uh, current episode I've ever done in the sense that Evan is still, I mean, she testified, um, her first testimony was last year, but she's been, like, I mean, with the Me Too movement, she's been, like, extremely vocal, and she's been out, like, talking to Congress and, like, doing, I mean, just as, as recent as last week. So I've never had that happen before. Typically, my my research normally ends uh, somewhere around 1992. Uh, I'm usually like reading some weird fucking People magazine article from uh, a, a message board that is halfway not even working. So yeah, this is the most current episode I've ever done, and which is ironic because it's a relationship that started 10 years ago and ended a really long time ago, but. I suppose we can now go ahead and get right into it. Um, I just want to also start as well by saying that Evan Rachel Wood is somebody that comes from a family of actors, but not only not only that, they all have three names, and that's something that makes me very jealous. Her family aesthetic seems pretty fucking cool. Like, proud of her. Proud of her family, proud of her parents for raising her really well, and not, like, being typical, like, fucked up stage parents, or, like, you know, I had... I had these preconceived notions that I was going to read this story about her being raised in some fucking commune or a cult or something terrible. I was just like gearing up for it. She seemed like she had a pretty, pretty happy childhood. Um, I've actually never been more jealous of a family aesthetic in my life. Her dad, Ira David Wood, is a super prominent local actor. He owns a theater company called The Theater in the Park. And, um... He's acted his whole life. He's also a playwright. Um, her mother, Sarah Lynn Moore, is an actress, and she's an acting coach. Her brother, Ira David Wood, um, the fifth, by the way, so jealous, probably will marry him one day, um, also an actor. And her aunt, uh, Carol Winstead, Carol Winstead Wood, is a Hollywood product designer. So she was raised in this business. Uh, you know, she grew up doing stage productions with her family, even as a baby. Um, you know, they were all being directed by her father, and she was always acting, like, with her brother or with her mom. I mean, can you imagine how fun that is when your mom, your brother, and your dad are actors and, like, playwrights and writers and directors, and your aunt does, like, design, and, like, she just came from this really cool sort of, like, artistic family that all supported each other in their acting endeavors, which is awesome. Um, as a baby, she starred in A Christmas Carol, uh, The Miracle Worker, which I don't know why this made me laugh so hard, but like, so in The Miracle Worker, she played, 
uh, Helen Keller, obviously. Her mom played Anne Sullivan. And there's just something that makes me laugh really hard about imagining Evan Rachel Wood, like, as a little girl playing Helen Keller and being like, wah, wah, and, like, slapping her hands and, like, slapping her mom across the stage and, like, <gasps> pulling her mom's hair, just being, like, a Helen Keller, Helen Keller terror. I don't think Helen Keller gets referenced enough for being, like, an absolute terror. She was, like, our first Dennis the Menace. Anyway, um, after her parents divorced in 1996, she moved in uh, with her mom uh, in L.A., where her mom was originally from, to focus on her acting. She started homeschooling at 15. Um, or, no, she started homeschooling. She graduated at 15 because the bitch is a boss. She graduated high school at 15. Your faves could never. Um, and, like, I don't know... That was something that, I don't know why, like, there's so many actors and actresses and pop stars and singers and musicians and whatever in this industry that don't go to high school. So, like, it's not strange to hear that. But for some reason, it really struck a chord with me for her, especially in reference to this relationship. And, like, something that I wonder about constantly is what it's like to grow up without the structure of middle school or high school to, like, teach you about the world. Like, how do you learn who you are? You know what I mean? It's just such a weird um, a weird thing to think about. I don't even really know how to wrap my head around it because it's unimaginable to me. Um, like, how you would learn how to, like, navigate relationships and, like, navigate friendships, like, heartbreak, uh, like, hormonal rage. I mean, all those things that you, I don't know. And, like, high school can be so awful and, like, so dark for so many people, but, like, in retrospect, it's, like, there's something safe about being, like, so contained to, like, the hell that you're going through is contained to this specific building with these specific people that you've known your whole life and you know all their fucking quirks and ticks and you know what they'll pull and, like, you you learn, you know, like, the repetitiveness of high school just every single day fucking gutting you it's like that repetitiveness sort of teaches you how to cope in a weird way it's like it teaches you how to like cope with how fucked up the world is in a weird way and like the way that you handle situations you know the first day of like your ninth grade year of high school will in no way compare to how you handle that same situation the final day of your senior year there's all that time like you've just grown for good or for better or for worse, I suppose, but I just feel like girls like her end up in situations like this where she's dating somebody who's, like, nearly 20 years older than her, and I don't want to jump ahead too much, but also becoming, like, this, like, weird fucking, ironically, like, this weird Westworld clone of a person that you think that he wants to be with because you've not had the years of experience to navigate and, like, grow tough skin and, like, learn you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's weird to think about. Um, but anyway, like most typical child actors, Evan was introduced into the business through like, you know, made for TV films and soap operas. Um, she made her big screen debut in the film, uh, digging to China, which starred Kevin Bacon. And that same year she starred in practical magic, which by the way is iconic. Um, you know, I myself, I'm not like a huge Sandra Bullock, like Stan, like, in the sense that, like, you know that my, I, I've made this very clear, like, my romantic comedy queen will always be Julia Roberts. I just like that Julia Roberts aesthetic. I like a Julia Roberts film. 
Pretty Woman to me is the best romantic comedy of all time. And like, I understand there's a lot of people who stand Sandra and she's like a lot of people's romantic comedy queen, which is fine. Sandra's great. You know, it's Sandra fucking Bullock. What can you, I mean, what negative can you say about her? Um, but like practical magic is fucking powerful and iconic. And like, it was during that time in the nineties when witches was just like everything, like being a witch was so cool. And like every nineties girl's aesthetic was like a witchy woman, which I really enjoy. I love a, I love like a witchy period in pop culture, (laughs) especially when like teenage girls and like middle school girls and like, especially I was in like elementary school at that time. And I remember like so many girls like thinking that they were doing like witchcraft, like bringing like spell books that they found at like borders to school and being like, let's cast spells. Like, okay. Um, a real time to be alive. Anyway, <laughs> Evan went to the star in Little Secrets, which won her all these awards and accolades and kind of put her on the map a little bit. Um, she still wasn't like a household name, but like people started to notice that she was like this great actor. And that movie also starred Al Pacino. Um, so the girl, you know, she was, she was working. She was working regularly. She was regularly getting cast and roles, but people didn't like really know who she was yet. Um, until, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I would like for you to sit back, enjoy your ride to work, or like wherever you're going. Make sure that your wig is buckled securely to your scalp, because her breakout role is coming, which I'm sure you all know what it is. And I'm about to go on a tangent. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for an old classic Troy tangent? Let me wet my whistle first, because it's I'm about to go off. Can we talk about 13? Can we talk about 13? Can we please talk? First of all, I'll just start with the facts. 13 was released on August 20th of 2003. And it essentially made Evan a household name. If you don't know, you better fucking ask somebody. You better ask me. I'll tell you right now. 13 is a movie about these two 13-year-old girls who sort of get lost in the world of like adolescence as far as like drinking and sex and partying and drugs um self-harm all the things and the movie co-starred nikki reed who you may know from twilight and uh nikki also co-wrote the movie it was loosely based on her life um and in her life she was the evan rachel wood character this had like actually happened to her um the director Catherine Hardwick, who you may also know from directing the first Twilight, has stated that she said that she would only direct the film if Evan Rachel Wood was attached to it. Like, she had her in mind for this character specifically, and the girl was right, first of all. Um, she started regularly scheduling these, like, sleepovers with her and Nikki and Evan, and they would have, like, girl nights where they just, like, bonded and talked about the movie and, like, ordered pizza and just had like very cliche sort of like middle school girl nights um she put them in charge of the wardrobe and throughout filming like they started to kind of like dress alike and like really like life was starting to sort of imitate art where like evan thought she was so cool and she was like sort of trying to become her but then like that was like the role that she was playing in the movie so it's like this whole thing and like here's the thing 13 was such an important movie in my life and I feel like important in so many people's lives around my age because it was really truthfully telling the story of what kids at that time 
at that specific age were going through and like what they were dealing with in the early 2000s and like I don't know it was just it was the beginning of like the social media period as we know it like MySpace had come out that year which means that like we were using AIM to communicate with each other primarily outside of school and it just takes me mentally right back to a very specific period of time um and the way of like trying to navigate being a teenager like which is it's it's i mean i can't speak for everyone's experience obviously people have different experiences based on like where they grow up and how they're raised and whatever but like i think generally teenagers during this time were just gen- they're just fucking wild like i think that like youth culture at this time specifically when things were like sort of shifting and it became harder for our parents to know what was going on in our lives because they couldn't get to like you know it it wasn't like a thing of going in your kid's room and reading their diary anymore it was logging onto their fucking myspace account or their angel fire and like reading these like blogs that these depressed teenagers teenagers were writing about fucking killing themselves and and you know having like these crazy sexual experiences and trying drugs and doing all these things, but our parents couldn't get to it. And it felt like, I don't know. There's this feeling that comes up for me where I I remember the feeling of of like, there's no way that my mom could ever really find out what I'm doing because she doesn't know how to get to like the real heart of what's happening. Like all this shit is happening on the internet and ain't nobody going to know. And like, I think that like, the internet and specifically MySpace, like just the fact that it was so, it was such a private space and you basically were living this weird double life that your parents had no access to no matter, no matter how hard they tried. And I think that for a lot of people that double life sort of bled into their real life, confused the fuck out of their parents. And all of a sudden your kid comes down with a side part that starts at their ear and they have eyeliner going down to their fucking cheekbone and like cut marks on their arm and they're wearing fingerless gloves and you're like what the fuck is going on you know what i mean it was like overnight like <laughs> it, which is crazy but i mean I, I just think that 13 like really helps like it really encapsulated like what that time felt like and what that period felt like of like social media boom and like what kids were like doing to each other i feel like kids became more cruel to each other um, I think the internet generally makes people more mean and like, especially when you're a teenager and like, I don't know, it's just, a, and a really exciting, but like also dark and like scary period, I think. Um, and 13 was also one of the first movies that I remember watching and being really just sort of like blown away by like the cinematography and really having an understanding of like what that even meant um as far as like the way that a director will use like light and like color to like you know filter a person's mood or like represent what's supposed to be happening in the scene like those things were all so new to me and i remember 13 really like just blowing my mind and i was like whoa the movie's becoming more blue when she gets sad whoa like all of those things were so new to me and like it was just i loved that movie um and I remember, like, there are scenes in the movie where, like, when they become friends, like, you know, the light is, like, very glowy and the filter is very soft and, like, sort of, like, um, like airbrushed. Things look very happy. And, like, it really, I don't know. It just, if you can't tell, it really, I'm going to stop rambling about the movie now. Um, but it really affected me. <laughs> um, and it won Evan a Golden Globe nomination. 
and uh, got her featured in the now iconic Vanity Fair spread titled It Girls of Young Hollywood that also featured Hilary Duff and Amanda Bynes, um, the Olsons, Lindsay Lohan, Raven Simone, Mandy Moore. Can we talk? Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, like this was like, I mean, at 13, 13 made her a household name. Like, it got her really, like, people knew who she was. People started to, like, I mean, she started getting booked, like, regularly. Um, she definitely became, like, an it girl. And in my opinion, the really the only kind of it girl that you would ever really want to aspire to be, in hindsight, I think, obviously, going into the business and, like, being tempted by getting, like, an Herbal Essences ad would obviously, like, def- it's, like, I mean, that's, like, literally signing, signing your soul away to the devil. Um... But Evan was, like, an indie it girl that would occasionally star in these, like, big budget, you know, big blockbuster Hollywood movies, um, and then sort of sink back into, like, these independent films and, like, do all this weird creative, um, just sort of, like, these weird, like, creative projects that would sort of help propel her career as far as people acknowledging her for being just an incredible actor, because here's the thing, Evan Rachel Wood can fucking act. Like, all of the girls I just named on that list, uh, you know, Lindsay Lohan, Raven Simone, Amanda Bynes, Hilary Duff, I'm not, to me, I'm obviously you guys know me well enough now to know that I think that all those girls are very talented in different ways, um, and they all bring something to pop culture and to the entertainment industry, but like, I think for most people, like, their, their talent is debatable. Like, I think that for your average adult, like, Hillary Duff's talent could be debated. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, like, people are not sitting around a dinner table and asking if they've, like, seen the new Hillary Duff film. Like, that's not, that's not happening. Um, but when it came to Evan Rachel Wood, like, Evan Rachel Wood, whoa, Evan Rachel Wood is a respected actor. Like, she's just, even at, you know, 15 or 16 years old, she was a respected actor. And everybody knows that. Like, her talent can't be debated. And... I feel like a lot of, like, really basic people are, like, just getting, like, hyped to her because of Westworld, which annoys me because she's been acting for 20 years, and she's been killing it for 20 years. She's got an amazing IMDb profile, and she's got way more hits than misses, and it's, like, all of a sudden, she's, like, this it girl again, and it's, like, again, but this is how it works. Like, now she's back. Suddenly, she's, like, quote, back, which I don't even know where she came back from. She's been acting consecutively her whole life, back to back to back. She's been on other HBO shows. Uh, she was on, I can't think of the name of it right now, but god damn it, that's going to really bother me. But she was on that HBO show. She did a guest appearance um, on that show about those two British women that like, it doesn't even, why am I saying this? It's about that show about those two, like Molly and M or M and something, but they like write a screenplay and like Evan Rachel Wood plays. It's fine. It's not a big deal. But I'm saying all this to say that, like, the bitch is, is talented, she can fucking act, and if you're not woke to, like, to, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, then, like, wake up. And if you've not seen 13, wake up. Where have you been? Um, we're now going to be talking about Marilyn Manson, who I've completely turned on. You know, uh, previously when I did the episode about him and, and, um, and, uh, sorry, it's so fucking early here, you guys, I'm trying so hard, let me wet my whistle. Okay, when I did the episode, 
about him and Rose McGowan. I just didn't, I didn't know a lot about this like second half of his life. And I just, I can't, you guys, I can't. He's a monster. He's a monster. Maybe he's better now, but I don't know. I just, you guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You've got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate. And then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast. You'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. Um, you'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.